0: Hi, and welcome to Adventure Blader with Emily and Hannah, the podcast where we talk world swimming, to running,
1: to travel and seeing the world. So whether you're listening on an adventure or wondering where to start, then this is the podcast for you.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode, Hannah, tell me. (laughs) Nine! Nine! (laughs) I know we had a bit of a special with Leanne, which is sort of episode nine, but maybe it's like episode 8.5. Yeah, I prefer that. (laughs) so yeah you haven't heard our voices for a while we have been busy we have been busy um life has just got in the way for both of us i'm super busy with just life in general probably overcommitted myself with marathon training and all the other jazz um and the lovely hannah has been on holiday and she went somewhere slightly different to
1: what she told us she was going to do hannah we we honestly were planning to go to cornwall we really were and then it got to um I finished work at about one o'clock on the Friday <laughs> and within half an hour we were heading north again.
0: <laughs> to Bonnie, Scotland.
1: Yeah I just can't stay away from the you place. You can't it's like a pool. It is and <laughs> there, there was genuine reasons why we ended up we it was going to be the first time that we'd had a week away in the van with all four dogs and the weather was looking horrific it was like 50 mile an hour winds, torrential rain. And I was like, this is just gonna be grim. This isn't gonna be a holiday, it's gonna be stressful. And then you put that on top of the fact that Cornwall doesn't really like wild camping and dogs are banned from most of the beaches. And I was like, Steve, look, we've made our choices. Our life choices is that we've had four dogs and that is our own fault. So we've just got to go where it's best and relaxing and not stressful. So he agreed with me. So we went north. <laughs> and why do we much better? But we did go and stay with friends. It's for Steve just to agree, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know why, <laughs> why we even have the discussions. Because, yeah, I generally get my own way. Bless him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cornwall 2024 sounds better, I think.
1: Well, he really didn't put up much of a fight, though, to be fair. So deep down, I think he just got in his head. He's like, I want to go somewhere other than Scotland. And then when it came to it, it was like, no, nah, it's fine. If that's what you want to do, love, that's what we'll do. And I thought, don't you dare put this on me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, though, you're in a bit of a
0: tough spot. If, I, I didn't realise that, that so many dogs are banned from beaches. So, you know,
1: what, what can you do? Yeah, I think between the hours of like 10 till 6 on most beaches, and sometimes that runs for two months in the summer, sometimes it runs all year round, sometimes it's six months. I was like, we're gonna have to Google every beach that we want to go to. If the weather's nice and it's too hot to leave the dogs in the van, that's gonna be terrible. So we're not gonna get to do anything either. And I was like, it doesn't yeah. seem fair to go to a beach and not take them with us. So yeah. we headed north because you know I don't think I've come across a beach in Scotland where they're not allowed.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever noticed one either. And you had
1: a bit of a social media blackout as well. I did. Yeah, I don't know. I just I was just not feeling myself. I don't know I'm, I'm okay with admitting that I just felt a bit flat a bit frustrated I don't know if part of the stress of trying to plan a trip that in my head I kind of already knew was going to be difficult that was making things worse I don't know I genuinely can't put my finger on what was wrong with me but I just thought oh, I'm just not going to go on Instagram today and before I knew it, it was like a week later and came back on to a lot of lovely messages checking in on me so that was really sweet. <laughs> kind of make me feel I better but yeah it's at one
0: point I think I kind of thought she must be just having some time like maybe Steve said to her like just be off Instagram you know just be <laughs> present and all that because we all get told that sometimes and then I thought oh my god this is the one time she's went somewhere other than Scotland and something's happened
1: <laughs> maybe part of me was like a bit embarrassed that it didn't happen again and I didn't want to admit that we were in Scotland either <laughs> i think there might have been part of that but your trip did look great though yeah it did look like you had a lovely time well i did i did pop on um after a couple of days just to check messages um but i wasn't posting anything and i had a lovely message from um someone that i've been friends with for a little while and we've had a few conversations about dipping and this message said if you're still down south please take care in the storms um you know hope everything's okay kind of thing and i just replied we're in scotland <laughs> <laughs> and these uh these lovely couple they were traveling the north coast 500 and I knew they were up there but I hadn't I hadn't remembered at the time because of everything else that was going on and um I said yeah we're gonna head to this beach um on the west west coast Samwood Bay and it's a good four five mile hike into this beach and it's absolutely stunning and we'd actually bumped into them the day before I was like I recognize that van totally by accident and I just thought that's them so I sent her a picture saying who we've just found and as I came back out of the uh, out of the toilets I was like she was just stood there so it was lovely I think we ended up chatting Aww. about an hour and then we passed each other about four times that day and it was like who's stalking who <laughs>
0: <laughs> the world is very
1: small <laughs> I know well there is literally one road around the top of Scotland but on the Saturday morning we pulled up to go and do the walk to this beach because this is when the storm had kind of just disappeared and um they were there again in the morning I was like I promise we're not stalking you (laughs) it just felt really bad but we had the most incredible day and dipping in such lovely company always makes a dip more special um but I couldn't have thought of a better company for for that particular dip it was just stunning so we ended up spending over the course of about three days we spent quite a lot of time together it's funny you said
0: I didn't know the beach you were at when you said can anybody guess this beach that sand would be and then I got sent a book called the joy of swimming I think it's a lonely planet book and it was like it's all over the world so I think I had a look, me and Arika were like searching and I was like, mm, I think this sounds like somewhere in Scotland and it was
1: Sandwood Bay was the thing and I went, Hannah's just been there! No way! <laughs> I'm like, that's totally weird! It is a sign. You definitely need to go. I would love to go back when it's a little bit calmer because it was so rough. Do you remember when you went down to Brighton and you ended up, uh, meeting up with a group of ladies and you couldn't actually swim because it was too rough but you did that thing where you kind of led on the oh, pilcharding. pilcharding I was like I know I was, I was telling Carol I was like there's a word for this I can't remember what it is it's pilch pilch something I was like I can't remember what it is <laughs> and uh, so we tried that but was it really sandy on the beach that you did no it was. it's quite a stony beach in <laughs> yeah that's probably better I was trying to remove sand from areas I don't want to discuss for quite some time
0: because the thing is like I'm thinking of the stones when the the water came in you know it's like you kind of sink into the stones so it's like you know you become yep. like that kind of you know that that needle thing you used to put your hand or your face into and it makes a imprint i can just imagine what the sand would be i'm like sand in your bits it's just like i'm sorry it's just like the worst thing ever
1: <laughs> the water was rushing back out so fast it was literally like the sand was pulling out from underneath us And we were just leaving like bum prints on on the sand. (laughs) I was just sinking further and further. And then a massive wave would come in and like spin us around. Yeah. It was so much fun. But yeah, I ended up running. So there's a freshwater lock at the back of the sand dunes. Mm -hmm. And after about 10 minutes of trying to remove the sand with a towel, it wasn't happening. It was like glued to me. I liked it. Steve's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going for a (laughs) wash. I ran across to the lock. oh things you have to do honestly but... see when
0: i'm on holiday hannah and i pass people like that spend all day in the beach i'm like how how do you man you must just become one with the sand you must enjoy <laughs> the feeling of it or something because not mind sand between my toes but anyways, oh, <laughs> sand between your bits is just horrendous
1: like I feel it's like we've been low with the chat now <laughs> <laughs> it's like having
0: like a pair of like sandpaper as pants
1: like you're just like ouch But the worst bit is I then had to walk another five miles to get back to the van. Oh, no, that's just chief city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have been doing some
0: pacing and some marathon training. Uh, My Maranoia is setting in because Yorkshire is this Sunday and can't quite believe it. But I don't know if you'd seen Hannah on social media yesterday. It was like the Chicago marathon. So I I think that has gave me that sort of like, oh, I can't kind of wait till it's our turn. I'm quite excited yeah. for that and just, just to get it over with, really. Like, I want to enjoy it. But
1: Do you get carried up carried up in, the in like, the atmosphere? You can do. Because obviously I've never been, so when you've got strangers cheering you on, surely that's still kind of quite nice.
0: I think so. And I, I mean, I don't know, like, I've seen, I've looked at the route and things and obviously you start in the centre of York and you finish in the same sort of place, but you sort of kind of go round and out and then you sort of come back again. So I'd imagine there's probably bits when you're leaving York, it'll get quite quiet when you've probably got it in the nice bits where it's at the start, but it's that's when you need that mental resilience during maybe the quieter bits. But Brighton had bits like that. I mean, lots of marathons do. Like London has it as well. Like it, It's really well supported. Obviously, London's huge, but there are more residential bits that are just quieter, you know, that way. So it'll just be... just have to... Power on through, but
1: have you been to York before?
0: Never, never.
1: It's a really nice city. It's a long time since I've been, but it's actually really—it's quite a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll have lots of new things to, well, to look at it. as you're running around.
0: Exactly, it's somewhere different. I think that was the thing last week. I did Glasgow half marathon, and you're so used to some of these roads that it was like, oh, I know how long this road is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a good thing and a bad thing because you're like, oh, not even there yet. <laughs>
1: yeah not even halfway (laughs) so
0: but yeah but all good and yeah we were just having a chat before this and we're going to take a couple of weeks break I know we've we've had a bit of a longer um between Leanne's episode and Ali's episode but with a few things coming up we're like we're just going to have a couple of weeks and relaunch season two I'm like do we even have seasons we're just like just killing cash that's us
1: (laughs) I think we're gonna take a little bit more time to to plan things in and be a bit more organized and um yeah I think there's there's kind of things that we we want to do with the podcast I think we're gonna get our heads together and then uh, mm-hmm. kind try of make season two even better yeah if that's possible because season one was pretty
0: epic season one was brilliant and it's been what we've done has been great you know when we think we've been on holidays we've did 24-hour events you know we've, we've fit so much in <laughs> and launch a podcast which has been so well received and we get such lovely comments about it but yeah we want to plan better just so that we're not you know I can be a bit of a stress head and with work and family and running and stuff I want to give it like the time it deserves so yeah we'll be back better than ever but we do have a great guest for you finishing on a man
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've, we've allowed another man into the club we have. This time he's Scottish, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we had to break the balance. Um, but we had Ali Finlay from Glasgow Paddleboarders. I say from Glasgow Paddleboarders. I mean, he is Glasgow Paddleboarders, really. He gave us a bit of a chat about basically everything paddleboarding. And obviously, we now totally have FOMO and want to do... All the epic paddles that he was talking about. How many
1: times did he uh, say we needed a guide? Oh,
0: so many. Now, it's <laughs> a it's a long standing joke that we call, and he calls himself Dale Boy. But he, <laughs> you know, he has the gift of sales. Uh, I mean, you'll probably hear that through this through this episodes. But we'll link all his details in the episode if you want to book lessons, find out about his kids clubs, or just find out more about him. So we hope you enjoy. <laughs> We are very excited to introduce Ali Finlay, founder and paddleboarder extraordinaire. Ali is the brains behind Glasgow Paddleboarders, a company and group that has grown arms and legs since its formation a few years ago. He's also an author, adventurer and excellent salesman, and we can't wait to find all about his passion, how it started and where it's going. Welcome, Ali. Hello, how are we all? Good, thank you. How are you today?
2: Yeah, it's good. Just actually got a tattoo today.
0: What? You were saving that for the record button there. What is the tattoo?
2: You should recognise that.
1: That's the lawn tree?
2: That is the tree in the Loch Lomond.
1: Is it Miller Yeah,
2: that's the one. My arm's a bit stingy tonight.
1: Did you get that whole thing done today? Uh, no, half
2: and half. Half The, the detail finished today, so yeah, step bit of a beast.
1: Wow. I love how I got the Miller tree before you did, and you live there. <laughs>
2: that's the most photographed tree in Loch Lomond.
1: Yeah, I think even I have a photograph of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're actually going there on Friday, Ali. Yeah,
0: can't wait. <laughs> Hannah's coming up to to Scotland for her birthday, so because she loves it up here so much. But thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I have met you a couple of times before. Found you, I think, during lockdown when basically everybody in their granny bought a paddleboard. Well, I did, yep. um, and had a lesson with you. And I've been to some of your events as well. But I suppose for people that don't know you, and obviously for us as well, just wanting to know a bit more. How did you get started? Because I know paddleboarding isn't, you know, you've not been doing that since you left school, or have you?
2: No, no, well, so I um, I played rugby and surfed a bit at school. Grew up in Thurso on the north coast of Scotland. When I, I played, I went to uni, played rugby in Edinburgh, came to Glasgow. Uh, At the time that I came to Glasgow Uni, Glasgow Uni were actually banned from playing rugby because they kept turning up naked to events. So there was no rugby in Glasgow that year. So that was that. That put that that to bed for a year. And then I um, moved to Dundee because I became a primary teacher through university and I lived up there for five years. And when I was there, um, paddleboarding had sort of become like the first inflatable paddleboard had been created at that point. And that was probably two thousand and ten. So yeah, like Red Paddle Co started in two thousand eight. So maybe been on the go for two years. Rented some kit out to to go surfing, at uh, Saint Andrews. Kind of really enjoyed it, and then over that kind of couple of years, spent a fortune just <laughs> renting out a kit. Didn't really I like the idea of spending eight hundred pounds at the time on a on an inflatable lilo that possibly wasn't that good yet. And then when I moved back to Glasgow after I got married, I stopped playing to injuries and. Had concussions and stuff and was looking for something to do. So, I took up paddleboarding, but partly just because one of my friends bought a paddleboard and I kind of just copied him because I wanted something to do with him. Basically, that was like 2018, and we wondered who else paddled in Glasgow, who else had kit. So basically started Glasgow Sup Community, I think it was originally what it was called, which was a terrible name. Within like the space of a few months, there was maybe 20 people or something on it. Um, We would just arrange and hang out and go go for paddles together. It was all very new. It was very niche. No one else really did it. And then kind of over that two years from 2018 to 2020, uh, especially with the, the boom of COVID and just like people looking for stuff to do, the group went from like, I don't know, 75 people to over 3,000 people. And originally, we would just, like, meet, organize group meetups just through the Facebook group. But it became so big that, like, you just didn't know who was turning up. And it became really quite kind of unmanageable. And actually, liability and, and insurance things like that were an issue because it wasn't an affiliated club. Basically, that that stopped. Um, we stopped doing that through the club. It became... The Glasgow paddleboard hub and it really became a place where people could ask questions that were to go and things like that and then the demand for lessons and the need for people to do lessons was huge were asking me because I seemed to become the guru of paddleboarding in Glasgow by accident I went and did my training to become an instructor with British Canoeing and then was kind of headhunted a little bit by Waterscore's Academy because we'd do, been doing a lot of stuff about promoting safety They really liked what we we're doing like what we we're about and then basically got re-qualified by them as an adventure guide and then became a trainer for them as well which basically allowed me to train other instructors in, in and around Scotland. We brought Water Skills Academy to Scotland and to be honest at the time it was definitely the leading qualifications and quality of training around paddling. Yeah I guess from that Came a kind of club membership uh, because there were so many people that like, wanted to be involved but wanted to be involved in the club, so we created a club, and that was always what it was about it was always about community. And then things have kind of grown arms and legs since then. We've we ran, or we, during COVID, we ran something crazy like I think we had eight, nearly 4,000 people out paddling, like on lessons, and that was a 2020 year. Uh, which was still the busiest year because it's just people looking for things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we did adventure venture trips. We've just had a group that were, have just come back from SUP, Norway. Uh, yeah, like it's been a bit crazy. And I guess because of all that, it actually meant that uh, people would ask my advice about what board to buy. So then being the sort of Dellboy that I am, uh, it made <laughs> sense to sell kit to people as well. We sell a range of paddleboard kit, mainly Gladiator, SIC, uh, we did a lot of Sea Lion original. We did a lot of stuff with Sea Lion Starboard, at, like loads of brands. Uh, and right now, brands are fighting to, to, to basically have us to sell kit. So it's it's good fun.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of grown arms and legs from what it was five years ago. Now
0: that's fab. I mean, it's when you think about like, when you really did carve out that niche because. I mean, the fact that there was actually twenty people that paddleboarded before lockdown, I'm actually amazed at because I don't know if I, I thought it even existed before then.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was it was all pretty fresh. It wasn't really, you know. I mean, to be honest, that paddleboarding as a sport has existed like for 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 hundreds of years, really. But it was used for fishermen fishermen in Hawaii. Right. They claim that they claim the origins of it, but Africans claim the origins of it too. So people people liked standing up on something flat they could look down in the water and see the fish. It was better than sitting in a boat. Right. So that's where it all sort of began, and that that was the that's the origins of it. Covid for loads of people was definitely a negative experience, right? It was definitely a hard time for loads of people. But if you were, if you're interested in anything outdoors, like if you were an outdoorsy person during covid, that was like escape, wasn't it? And your and your escape to actually finding stuff to do and.
0: Yeah, social distance quite easily on a lock. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, and and business boomed because of it, you know. Business was just mad because people were looking for stuff to do and they wanted to find and try new things and have new experiences. So,
0: Well, that's it. I think I found you through a friend. And then, obviously, because you had that group at the time, it was like, at least you could find people to paddleboard because that was the other thing is, okay, I bought a paddleboard because you just seem to have extra cash. I definitely don't have that now. But... At the time, you, you did, and you were like, right, I'm going to do it. And then you realise, like, none of my friends have a paddle board. <laughs> so what, did I just go out myself? And I suppose that's where your group was a bit of a lifeline of, like, even just getting that information as well from people. I took a lesson with you, which, I mean, even you taught me how to pack my bag and how to roll my board, because I was just like, this, this is difficult.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, it's funny, like, people... Um... People, there's a lot of self-taught paddlers and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. People like to go out and try new things. I suppose one thing we dissuade is trying not to buy cheap kit, but it's like anything, you know. I mean, I bought a drone because I wanted to fly a drone and take your photos. And I spent 80 quid on this rubbish drone on Amazon and I flew it above my house and it was really windy and it blew away. I've oh, never no. seen it since. And that was like literally the first time I got it out. But, you know, there's loads of people that do that with paddlers too. You know, they buy rubbish kit, pump it up. And then they can't do that or they find it really hard and then they get in touch. Quite a lot of the lessons kind of come off the back of that, you know.
1: I think one of the things that I see is like people not inflating them enough and they just look like a banana in the water. And you're like, how are you even kneeling or anything on that? I, I went on one in Spain and I'm not kidding. They did, they just didn't
0: inflate it that much. And she was like, just take it, you know, just go out on the water. And I thought, this is great. A couple of euros I can go out in the water. It was, I'd have been better taking a lilo out there. I think that would have had more air in it.
2: I think a lot of, a lot of rental companies abroad don't care because they just, like people that generally rent tech can't really paddle anyway, so they're not mm-hmm. really that bothered. But they also underinflate the boards because they're scared that the boards will pop if they're pumped up too much in the heat.
0: Ah, right, okay. So
2: that's a huge part of it, but I like, clearly know that it's not pumped up properly. Definitely go back. The thing with pressure on a paddleboard, you know, just is that if you, like, an inflatable paddleboard is trying to be a hardboard, and then a hardboard, there's, there's very, very little flex. So if you don't pump it up to the right pressure, then it's going to bounce and it's going to be a banana, and then it makes it very difficult to paddle straight because the front of the board is sticking out of the water, and so is the back. (laughs) You know, you need most of the board in the water to be able to paddle in a straight line. So, uh...
1: I've never actually underinflated it, but there is that temptation. (laughs) Just.
2: I had a lady a few weeks ago who um, emailed asking for a one-to-one lesson. Normally, when you get one-to-one lessons, people either find it really hard, or they've just struggled, or they, they you try know, tried a group lesson and it didn't work for them, whatever. But this lady emailed and I, I, I always reply and say, "Look, give me an idea of like your height and weight, what kind of board drawn that's so all kind of useful information." Just like I'm five foot six, I'm fifty-five kilograms, and I bought something cheap on Amazon. I'm like, well, you know, fifty-five kilograms are still super light. If you're only five foot six, that means you're pretty fit and healthy. Uh, there's no reason why even have on a really cheap board that, that you shouldn't understand on it. And she said that when she was pumping up, she was pumping up to probably like, like just pumping up. So it looked like it was a board. and wasn't oh. actually thinking. So it, I reckon that was maybe at three or four PSI when she was going on. Do
0: you know the amount of times I've pumped up my board and you're going, you must be almost there. And you know how sometimes the gauge doesn't register until you get to about seven. Yeah. And it's not even got there yet. And I'm like, whose idea was this? <laughs> The king is just to buy a, an, an
2: electric pump and plug it into the 12-volt socket in your car. Get one that goes up to 20 psi if you can, and then you just plug it in. It does make a bit of a din, but yeah. get changed, sort yourself out, have a cup of tea, and by the time you've done that, it's ready, off you go. I
0: know. I do I do get a good sense of satisfaction, though, pumping up that board.
1: My partner did actually buy me a pump. We'd, um, we'd gone down to the canal, and pumped the board up and i was still fairly new at this point point. for some reason i'd forgotten to check the valve so when i took it out, oh, no. out out the air came so he pumped it up for a second time went down to the canal to get in and there is um there is a well-known angry swan near us who has quite a reputation for himself we couldn't even get anywhere near the water he was just attacking us so we let the board down Went somewhere else. He pumped it up for a third time in the same day. He was like, "That's it. I'm buying you a pump. I'm not doing this again." Yeah, the
2: great? sound of a this, the sound of a hissing board still actually makes me feel a bit sick, and I've been doing it for five years because you know that someone's not put the pen up.
0: I know <laughs> exactly. So, when did you? I know you're still you're still teaching, though, aren't you? Like in, as a primary teacher?
2: Yeah, I teach two days a week. Um, so, I work, I work in a school in in Bear's Den, and um, yeah, I teach um, primary 6 this year, and I also teach French and Spanish at school, so, um, but I'm kind of like, I teach Monday, Tuesday, so that's plenty, to be honest, to be able to manage everything else that's going on in my life with <laughs> three young kids running a business that's seven days a week, and uh, you know, all the other things that I do.
0: What was the big turning point for, you know, cutting your hours at the school?
2: I think, you know, during Covid, I was still teaching full time, and I still had full class commitment when I was doing Covid, and you know everybody had more time didn't they everyone had more kind of thinking time i think part of the reason was like i know that as a teacher you have a good salary but i think in my head i kind of always thought i think i could make more money if i just did this a bit more or you know but i also knew that i couldn't still be a full-time teacher do like lessons in a full saturday sunday work every evening you know and do things and so I think me and Alison, my wife must have sat down some night and been like, right, something's got to give here. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm just going to go part-time teaching. And I, I've been part-time there for three years. You know, loads of people keep asking, am I going to quit teaching? Am I going to give up? But actually, I love my job. Like, I love teaching. I love going into school. And actually, you know, actually, that's quite a nice routine to have on a Monday-Tuesday. So, I don't know, like, giving that up would be would be interesting because I'd have to really properly make a go for the business, I suppose. But I love my job. You know, I love working with kids and I think part of that is why, you know, the kids club that we run, for example, is now fully booked every single Monday night, 24 kids just about every week. And it's the same kids coming back, you know, every time because they love it. And you know, they're bringing their friends and that's kind of growing with, you know, the kids clubs and stuff that we've done as well. I don't know, like, it's just, I kind of I kind of have my finger in every pie accidentally, you know, but yeah. um,
0: Definitely.
2: it kind of, it works, you know, for what it is. And I have yeah. really, really good staff and really good people around me that make it happen you know it's not just me that makes it happen i mean i'm in the face of it i suppose but you know i have a lot of good people around me that make it work so but yeah my wife's definitely very patient and very caring and very loving yeah
0: it's a superstar and you have three kids at home i mean it's it's uh busy is an understatement i would say
2: yeah yeah i can be pretty i can be busy but you know i like think i'm busy but i also sit and watch it, the as and just faff about and do nothing quite a lot of the time oh, yeah. so you know yeah
1: so whereabouts are you based then? Like, are you actually in Glasgow or do you, are you out in the law? Yeah, so
2: Glasgow Glasgow Paddleboard was the name because that was the group of people that originally we started with on Facebook. The name worked, right? So like, I don't know, like in my head it was like, if you just Google Glasgow Paddleboard, I'd become, you know. It wasn't even a deliberate thing at the time, it's just what it was called. All I did was make it Glasgow Paddleboarder's company. So initially, I separated the group and had that as Glasgow Paddlers, and then created Glasgow Paddlers Company from it. Um, we, my, I live in Kirkintilloch, nine miles out of the city, um, and we work. We work mostly from Bishop Briggs in the canal at the minute. Uh, all the intro stuffs there because the the water's flat, Cam. It's like it's easy to work there. We don't have to cancel lessons or move, you know, because of the wind. It always works. But we do a lot of work in the Loch Lomond and the National Park. We're, we're, we're kind of like in Loch Lomond, Lochard, you know, all the big logs that are in the tropics like, So we're kind of, it's it, because we, because we work out the van, we're just, we can go anywhere we want and that works really well. I mean, I've been invited to go down to Dumfries to do some work down there. I've done courses and run things up in Brora. You know, I've been kind of all over the place. So that's the man with the van uh, like might not, it might not always seem like the most professional thing, but it works really well because we don't have to worry about big outgoings on buildings and stuff like that, you know, so where are we based is a funny question because we're kind of based wherever wherever we needed to be.
1: So you don't happen to so. be at Loch Lomond on Friday then, do you? <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I can be, I can be. Yay! Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's a nice day on Friday. I was looking at the weather because our social is actually supposed to be on Thursday night for the club, but Friday's a better day. But uh, I have a litter pick on Friday morning with Planet Patrol. We do a lot of work with Planet Patrol. uh busy uh, Carr founded that, you know, and uh, she's an MBE. So yeah, check her. She's done really well with uh, getting people thinking about litter and where it goes and how we deal with how we deal with that. So doing that with a uh, high school on Friday morning and then Friday afternoon, Reese might pop up and say hi to her.
0: But well, you may as well tell us about the Great Glen Way that you're just back from as well. I know when Hannah is very excited about this because Hannah, I know you've done some paddleboarding recently, and you're talking about more longer distance stuff. So,
1: so I am that person that kind of does like one long paddle and thinks, yeah, let's go and do something epic. Great Glen Way popped into my head, and I want to do the West Highland Way. So I was looking at the West Highland Way's 96 miles, and the Great Glen Way I think came up at 96 kilometres. I was like, that seems like a good fit.
2: 96 for 96, yeah, that's yeah. it. Paddle quite a lot of the west hand as well, you just have to lock up a bit. But basically at the moment, I'm working towards my expedition guide. Um, so I've done the training for it. I'm already an adventure guide. And an ex- expedition guide is the highest level qualification you can get for paddle boarding uh, at the minute in the world in terms of expeditioning and uh, travelling at the minute lots of people uh, use like a high level open water qualification and have a mountain leader certificate that's generally what people do but this course that Water Skills Academy carry is very specific to multi-day travelling using a paddleboard and I, I basically just I'm working up time at the minute to finish the assessment the way that we did the Great Glen is we used I'm good friends with Jim who runs up to summit and he runs that as as holidays, so I kind of asked him to like, come and come and basically take us because we want to have a go and get get the hours in for doing expedition stuff. But he was he's really good because he's done it lots. He's very good at what he does. He's passed his expedition nine as well, which is great. So you have, a, you know, someone there. But um, yeah, like the Great Glen Way is a pretty cool paddle. Um, It goes from Fort William and travels through the canal from Fort William up through Loch Lochy, the most imaginatively named Loch in Scotland, (laughs) through through some more canal into Loch Oich, and then through a little bit more canal into Loch Ness, uh, which is obviously the biggest body of water uh, in Scotland. Actually, a fun fact about that is that if you emptied the water of every single Loch in Scotland and poured it into Loch Ness, it still wouldn't be full. Uh, which tells you just like, how yeah. deep Loch Ness. is. It's um, very, very deep. And, uh, yeah, we, we basically started on Thursday. We met up in Fort William on Thursday morning um, and paddled from the top of Neptune's staircase, paddled into Loch Lochie and camped the night there at the bottom of that. Friday, paddled from Loch Lochie up into Loch Oich. Then we paddled from there to the end of the canal and then we started in Loch Ness on the on the final day, paddled only a small section of it because Loch Ness is a tricky one because it's so big so you have to get the wind right. But we we're very lucky with the weather. Uh, it only rained on, on the first night for about half an hour. We had mist, we had atmosphere, we had fog bows. I don't know if you don't know if you know what a fog bow is, but it's a yeah. rainbow that is created in the fog, but there's no colours, it's just fog in an arc. Oh. If you don't, if you don't believe me, Google it. You'll see what a football looks like. <laughs> I hadn't seen one of them before. That was pretty cool. You know, like we were like lying in hammocks at night, listening to Tony I was hooting to each other. Like I just love it. You know, it's yeah. it's awesome. We were clever about how we did it as well. You know, we shuttled cars, so we always we always got to a car at the end of the end of each day, which made it a lot more manageable, and a lot easier to manage. And it also means that I can run it under an adventure guide remit because we're doing day paddles. So you don't necessarily need to have all your camp. So the difference between adventure guiding and expedition guiding is that if you're expedition guiding, you're away unsupported for a certain amount of time, bringing all your kit. Adventure guiding is day paddles with an end point when you finish and, you know, you, you can go home or whatever at the end of the day. But we, can, we, we just treat it as adventure guiding, had mm. a camp set up with all the kit and the cars at the end. So yeah, it worked well. Yeah, it's a very cool trip, but you need the weather to do all yeah. of it because, uh, if you don't get the weather or the weather, if the wind's swinging, it's hard. But this time of year, there's generally a, a southwest prevailing wind. And if that is the case, then you basically have blown all the way to Timberness. <laughs>
1: so I so need to do it next <laughs> September then.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you can do it all year, but, you know, you just want that southwest wind. So
1: I mean, I've driven down the side of Loch Ness when it's been windy. And wow, does that produce yeah. some waves? I wouldn't like to Yeah, get on
2: la- last way. year, last year when Paddlefast ran the Great Glenway Race, which is a race from Fort William to Murness, they do it over either two days or some people are crazy like doing one day. The waves that Loch Ness was throwing was about two meters. So you can <sighs> imagine, in a paddleboard trying to surf down them and then keep going for you know thirty miles, whatever the Loch is, it's, it's pretty. It's a big body of water, so it's certainly not one to just jump into with like, a little bit of thought. Recognition also from Fort Augustus to probably halfway down, there's actually nowhere to get out because it's really high cliffs. So it's not the easiest it's not the easiest log to just climb in and out of it loads of different places. So that's why I'm saying if you're if you're gonna do it, do it with a guide because you'll get looked after.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I have <laughs> okay. been doing I've been doing some research into it and someone else had said there, there's literally nowhere to get out. So you kind of want to be starting from Fort Augustus in the morning. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's your first day.
1: It does look an absolute epic trip.
2: Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, we had a good, we had good fun.
0: So, have you have you done a trip alley where you've actually it's like been an expedition where you've actually carried all your stuff?
2: Yeah, we carried, we did, we did carry most of our stuff when we were doing that. I mean, I actually just carried my stuff for the whole week because I was just trying to get a timing of having all my kit, you know. And um, but with the clients, we we yeah. with a lot of the clients, we put a lot of the kit in the van each day just so they didn't have to carry it all. But like, it's epic doing it. Uh, I mean, you need to definitely, for sure, be prepared for midges and ticks. That's just part and parcel mm. of being in Scotland and uh, and paddling. But actually, we all came out tick free, but we definitely didn't come out midge free. <laughs> yeah, like it's just fun. Like it's just fun being outside. You know, like um, I think for just mindfulness and just like chill. It's like just so nice to be away from everything. You know, it's just you, your mm. paddle stroke. You're like chatting to people that you don't really know that well but you get to know them really well because you spend four days with them
0: like it's just super fun
2: i just love being on the water and i think that's why you know that basketball paddle is just is so successful because it's just i love what i do you know
0: you've got that passion
2: yeah it makes it fun for everyone when they know that whoever's guiding them or leading them is also absolutely loving life so um when you camp and, and add all that into it and add a few beers and then add to you know, a lot of campfire <laughs> and all that. Is, you can't win, like you, you can't. You can't lose.
1: How many miles a day were you paddling on average? Well, when we're guiding, we generally work
2: on it, and it seems slow. But by the time you count on FAF time and you know getting everyone to work on like a two miles an hour, two kilometers an hour sort of idea, just because you know that there's lots of people, there's lots of organisation, there's lots of staff, there's lots of this and that, and it doesn't seem like it's going to going very fast. But we were doing about fifteen kilometers a day.
0: I love that idea paddling to something you know like I think that's why I like Loman so much because it's got so many islands mm-hmm. you've got like a destination with your paddles whereas like I remember we been oh, I think it was over in Dunoon. I can't remember the lock's name and I just was like paddling about and I'm going yes that's the one and I was like I don't really know where to go yeah it's
2: just north <laughs> to south yeah it's nice to have somewhere to go yeah. find something have a halfway point have a bit of lunch and then paddle back isn't it I like, yeah. I like that well.
0: what boards do you have what's your traveling expedition board
2: i spent i actually spent the, 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 the four days on a sea lion prototype that they sent me because they're looking at developing a new oh. brand but it's not it doesn't exist yet and i'm not supposed to tell you that but i've just oh. told the whole podcast that <laughs> but my um <laughs> we'll delete oh, it <laughs> I, I, wish I said that no i sell gladiator kit sell gladiator kit the gladiator. to be honest the We've we had loads of good chat recently about boards and what to use. Like, I really like the SIC kit for expeditioning, but it is expensive. You know, we sell tons of gladiator kit, and gladiator do really good, really, really good boards at a really, really affordable price. And um, a lot of people don't like the luggage carries on them because they're sort of at a diagonal angle, but we actually used them. We used all the gladiator kit with all the clients um, this weekend, this past weekend, and there was no issues with it at all. We extended the length of the the luggage carries on the back and it worked super well, no problems. The board's handled it really well. So, yeah, I can't, I can't really see past Gladiator for affordability and price at the minute when it comes to that. Um, there's just nothing else in the market that's that price it's that good, you know, and that, that, yeah, it's just what we do. It's what we sell, probably 85% of what we sell is Gladiator. And it just comes down to the fact that the brand is not charging far too much money and it isn't, you know, it's affordable, you know, it's affordable and it's made well. We did have, like, another brand with us. It was a, supposed to be a premium brand, and this board would be, like, a 12 foot 6 board that's usually £1,250. And it was by far and away the slowest board. It had way more drag. You know, it was a good brand name, but the quality of the board was certainly not up there with Gladiator, which I found, I found super interesting, you know. And, you know, just when you compare it, just Gladiator, for me, is the is the brand.
0: Yeah, you've got a lot of people that trust you, like they come to you for that sort of advice as well. So I think you've always been that type of person that's like, I believe in this product. I wouldn't sell something that, that wasn't, I think most of your stuff is usually a bit more you know more reasonably priced yeah i
2: just think it's hard it's hard to sell expensive stuff but also it's an inflatable paddleboard so there's no reason why it needs to cost you know 1500 pound at the end of the it. day it's, it's an inflatable board it's made out of pvc and it's got a stringer system inside it. you know these boards that yeah. they make in china they're shipping over here for you know it would second people they you knew how much it actually cost to make them you know they ship them over they've got shipping costs they've got you know distribution costs they've got retail costs but a paddleboard it's a paddleboard now it's an inflatable. It's an inflatable. There is obviously elements of the shape and the stiffness that make it better than something else. And the drop stitch, the, the material inside it is the most important thing, really. So if you're thinking about part of the boarding, don't go on Amazon because it's a it's rubbish. Just don't go on Amazon. Like speak to a local retailer. They'll probably sell you what they sell because that's what they want to do. But at least if it's a local retailer, they should have an idea of what they're doing. One of the big things I think I deal with the most at the minute is people come and say, "Oh, my friend's got a ten six. Can I buy a ten 6 And I'm like, "Well, why are you buying a ten six? Oh, my friend's got one. But why are you buying a ten six? Like you're five foot one and you know you weigh forty five kilograms. You don't need a ten six. You need something that's narrow." And it's fast so that you can go faster than your friends and you can laugh at them when you've got the right board for your size.
0: <laughs> I think I've got a 10
2: <laughs> Yeah, everyone has a 10 because that's what during COVID everybody bought because that's all you could get. Yeah, But actually what's ha- what's happened now is people have come through that sort of three years of uh, they've bought their first board and now they're looking for something that either goes a bit faster or, or just makes them go further. Um, so I haven't sold any 10 this entire year because I've been pushing people to buy the board that's the right board for them for now not like a beginner board that kind of does a little bit of everything it's uh, we've had a lot of that you know so
1: what have you got Hannah I, I want to say mine's a ten eight, but mine mine's a red paddle co so yeah I am that person um but it was a little bit wider a little bit bigger because I wanted my dog to come with me she just thinks it's hilarious to keep jumping off I can't get mm. she just loves the water that much she literally uses it as a launch pad so <laughs> yeah she just won't she, she will get on it she's happy to get on but she's just like shaking with excitement to jump off it again so that relaxing paddling with my pup is not happening, not happening. <laughs> but yeah it, i mean it's a good stable board i'm you know i'm pleased with it in that way but i'm thinking hmm, if i'm touring yeah there's a lot of drag on that
2: you, you need something faster for sure yeah
1: the other thing as well about the the red paddle boards, they're so big in the like even just in the bag. So like obviously we spend a lot of time in the van. I want something a little bit that packs down a little bit more compact because I can't actually take it with me anymore because it's just too big.
2: Yeah, you buy roof bars for your van, that's it. Right. Sorry.
1: And we've got a pop top as well, though, and it's like not supposed to put the weight on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard because they do take up a lot of room in the bags, you know, and actually. One of the things that manufacturers probably do wrong sometimes is they don't actually make the bag big enough like something that gladiator did when they took out the kit in 2023 is they made the bag actually big enough so you could put two deflated paddleboards inside it and it means that if you've got all your kit and everything like when i go on holiday i take i don't take a suitcase anymore i just take a gladiator paddle bag and i put my paddleboard on my pump and i paddle it and i fill it with clothes
0: oh, you're good. You're good, Ali. Yeah, I like,
2: I like, like it. That, because the, the bag, <laughs> it's got wheels, it's got kai straps, like everything. So you know I mean? It's like a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, my friend Joes I think she they bought a Gladiator board from you. And I know sometimes I've been pad aboard, and, and my bluefin is so heavy in comparison to hers. But also, I'm quite jealous because she always manages to fit in her dry robe in her bag. Yeah, yeah the bags are never big enough, plus the fact mine doesn't have wheels. The
2: other thing that the bag has that I really like, and I only realised recently about this, was it has a foil insert. So if you're having like a big party, you can fill it with ice and put beers in it, and then it keeps it cold and you up it shut. That's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the red paddleboard's got that. Made too. For a Scottish <laughs> There's quite a lot of ice to fill the bag, but it's worth it. I see Emily and I just have cold tubs for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put your beers in. Oh, talk to me. Talk to me about these
2: cold tubs because I keep getting on Instagram right now every day an ad for for buying one of these little inflatable cold tubs in my garden, and it's like do it no so so uh, so listen in the in the club a lot of the girls that after they finish go this cold water dipping and i've always ignored it but more recently I've been doing a bit of reading around it because I find it really fascinating. Because Leanne Slosta is just like hilarious. I like watching her stuff on um, on Instagram, which is almost like the biggest advocate for doing handstands in freezing cold water. So more recently, I've kind of been like, I like being dry. Like that's my paddleboard because I go out on a board, I stay dry, I get out and I go home, and I'm not freezing cold all day. But I've always been a cold fish, and then I go in the water, mm-hmm. I feel freezing then later on at night. But over the past, probably over the summer. I've been going dipping, and I love it. And I've been reading about, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been reading about uh, the effects of cold water on your brain and how it helps. And then this article I was reading it said that if you, now this is not an advocate for taking cocaine at all, by the way. But if you do take cocaine or you have taken cocaine before, right, the effect that it has on your brain is the same as cold water swimming, except when you go cold water swimming, the after effects last for four days not just one hour. And it's free. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's why all you bags go in the cold water for like <laughs> three or four minutes. Mm. I'm like in and out, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting into it. But this, this fucking advert keeps coming up for buying a pool in my garden. And I'm like, do I really need a pool in my garden to you know I just go to a lake. Yes,
1: you do. If, yeah. I, I'm, I absolutely prefer like wild dipping than the tub in the backyard, but it is handy to have when you can't get out and do it. But yeah, Leanne, I met Leanne a couple of weeks ago and we were in the for a good 30 minutes, like handstands, hair flicks, messing about. It was just awesome. Going with Leanne is,
0: is hysterical because you're like, there's been times where I've been freezing. I'm going, I need to get out of here, but she's still doing her <laughs> photo shoot in the water. And I'm like, I'm going to die if I stay here a lot much longer.
2: So at what point so see when you see when you guys are swimming? At what point are you like, this is too much, I need to get out? Because there comes a point when you're doing this cold water dipping, right, that it's good fun for, like, three minutes. And then, like, right, I'm, like, actually frozen here. I need to get out. Because there must be, like, there must be margins of, like, this is ace, I feel great when I get out. But there also must be, like, man, I stayed in for too long.
0: Yeah, because I think there there was a post I'd put up ages ago and it was just like because there was loads of things at the time where people were doing cold water dipping in the winter when it was properly really freezing and they kept going I did the eight minutes I'm going to try for nine tomorrow and I think my whole thing was like you don't know how you'll feel on the day like there's no point putting a time on it because there's sometimes you go and it could you could be run down with something it could be all manner of things some days will be harder than the other I think they're always a bit like when it gets too comfortable you've stayed in too mm. long when it's that cold mm because then your body's just it's just not it's it's you've you've kind of gone past that point of recognizing it's time to go out yeah. but it, it depends on the temperature as well but it's also
1: that regular dipping helps yeah i think the, the more you do it you definitely kind of get used to it i am i am really bad if i'm in really good company for staying in too long i've only kind of done it probably maybe three times in the whole time i've been doing it like doing it in the winter the summer's not too bad but the in fact one of the dips that i met emily when we we're in january in the lakes there is what seven mm-hmm. of us we were all we'd all just met we were all chatting having a really great time and i was freezing like but it wasn't freezing at that point it was i got out i got dressed and we started walking and i was fine and it was a good probably 20 minutes half an hour and my my temperature just dropped and I could not warm up but I don't seem to it's weird because like in the office I'm the worst one for saying it's gone cold in here can we put the heating on and they're like are you joking (laughs) but then put me in the cold water and I'm usually almost always the first in last out and I don't seem to feel as bad as others like and it's not that I'm trying to be a hero and stay in I just don't seem to register like
2: I'm just Do you think within do you think within the sort of groups of women that go out cold water dipping there is that kind of not not hierarchy, but like people that try and be the last guy in or the last woman in, you know, that like no. almost it becomes competitive. I feel like with a big group of guys doing that, it would become competitive. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean there, there will be there will be elements somewhere because I think you do get that, like people are saying how many minutes, but it probably could be men more that mm. say it more than anything but i read a book and it was like winter swimming and it's like a swedish or danish author it's a really pretty looking book i have to say but she was like she did loads of research on it and it was like something like really the first that 30 seconds is where you'll get the biggest hit and after that it's just Yeah. yeah it's fine to be in but it's like actually you'll not get any more benefit from staying in for 10 minutes as you would for that thirty seconds to a minute, because it's that initial feeling, is the, is where all the adrenaline and all that comes from. Mm. Once you're in there for a while, you start to get used to it, and that that goes. So it's it's really that. That's why I was like, yeah, you can stay in for twenty five minutes if you like. You're just sitting in cold water by this point, and possibly making things dangerous. Mm. So it's it is. It's
1: really interesting, but yeah, do it. I think the group that I regularly dip with, I don't think there's any kind of competition between us. I. I genuinely just get carried away in the moment, like enjoying it, the chit chat, the like messing about and having a laugh with everybody, that's that's where I forget to get out. It's not that I'm mm. trying to be the hero and stay in the longest. It's just I just enjoy time with my friends in the water.
2: Yeah, it's good, man. Do you think do you think do you think with all the um with the amount of kind of water dipping that's going on just now that there needs to be more Safety in place around it, or do you think that it's kind of well managed within people that are out doing the groups?
0: No, I think there should be more. Like what you're doing with the pikes for the kids groups, is brilliant because I think you're probably introducing that bit of water safety for them. Whereas I think there's a lot of we see things on Instagram and people just go ahead and copy it. Yeah, and that's where there's folk can get into trouble. Things like places like Loch Lomond and all these things, you know, they're. They're massive bodies of water, and okay, you drive past them and you see people in them, but there's a lot of times I'm like, I don't think I would dip somewhere that I didn't know somebody had been before. Mm. Like, there's times I've asked Leanne for advice, when I've been like, well, I'm going here, do you know anybody? And she's like, yep, we parked here, we went in there, and I was like, right, okay, and you, know, you maybe have somebody with you. You know, I'm I'm still probably, not scared, but, like, I'm probably still aware of...
2: Just conscious of it. I would rather it. Yeah, go just the, conscious yeah,
0: it. like, you know... I don't want this to be the thing that I love, but <laughs> to be the end of me. Yeah, because I,
2: I, when when I found that transition really hard with Glasgow Paddlers because we moved from being like a group, like the cold water groups that are all really happening at the minute, to making it into a you know a membership where it become a club, and I found that a really mm-hmm. difficult transition because you went from doing something that was free to doing something that you were charging money for, like the liability and something I think quite often people don't understand, and uh, you know in the Paddlewood world, if you organise a paddle you go out on that pad and something happens to someone as the person that organizes that event you're the person that's liable for something that goes wrong and the same thing applies to cold water swimming so i think sometimes there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things with great intentions and i love that but i think sometimes there's not very much understanding of if things go wrong what what happens and who's affected by that
1: I do think there's a there's a lack of knowledge a lot of the time just in general outdoor swimming it could be hiking going out where or anything I think one of the things that annoys me quite um, quite a lot is people's lack of knowledge with paddle boards and cleaning them off when they've been like especially around the lakes I mean the, the Scottish locks are a lot cleaner but the lakes and the, the you know like not cleaning them off and then the the algae and stuff then contaminating other other lakes, people just don't have a clue. I think there there was a really sad study. It was only about two or three lakes in in the lake district that isn't contaminated now. But then it's affecting everyone that then goes swimming as well. And like Windermere just looks like pea soup most of the time for the summer. It's horrendous.
2: Blue green algae only affects bodies of water that don't have great flow and don't have a lot of movement. If you're you know that, that whole blue green algae thing works in parts per million. So it's yeah, I mean, I guess for swimmers, I mean, if you've been swimming in Blue you know, before, but the oh Alamann and you come out of here and you're itchy, you know, it's obviously bad for dogs and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, i have not had any experience really of people swimming in it and coming away with problems. But
0: I know, well, we were, it was like, you know, how it was like Scottish summer, well, it it's the whole British summer recently. And um, the little reservoir that we go to, you know, barely anybody's up there half the time, but it was like the Costa del Sol. You know, it was absolutely mobbed. And see, actually, the next day we went, you were kind of like, hmm, the water doesn't look great. And we went a swim because where we were swimming, it looked okay, but just like the surrounding bits of it, I was like, oh, I don't know. And it was later on over the other side where a lot of like, there was a lot of blue-green algae there. And obviously then I started to have a panic going, I don't feel very well.
2: Yeah. there's a website actually that you if you go on the sepa website you can actually report sightings of poop and algae
0: yeah there was an app as well yeah. that folk were were using because to see because um obviously not everybody's got like facebook or knows that there's groups there but i mean i suppose that's like the positives and negatives positives of things like social media is you get to know where's safe yeah. to swim yeah. but i always think that whole thing like i remember somebody asking me to take their group like an exercise group and i was like oh, i don't really like i'm not a trained instructor but i'm also like they wouldn't have the right kit and i don't mean that like or you don't you have like a sustainable swimming suit but even just like gloves and socks and things like if you've never been in the water before your extremities will get cold like it can be quite painful mm. if you're in really cold water so i'm like it doesn't feel like the easiest thing to just go, yeah, come along. Oh, can you go and buy all this? You know, it just feels, I just was like, I don't think, like, they should look into themselves more than me take them. I just...
2: Do you know what it is? I, I, I know what it is. You're just not a salesperson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> should I start going to, like, and buying all these stocks?
2: If you're a salesperson, you should be get committed to buying all the gloves, buying all the socks, sell them in. tell you
0: what. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the Glasgow <laughs> Swimmers coat. Cool up and running (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to touch on your book as well, because how did that come about?
2: Paddle Scotland. That's funny. How did it come about? So uh, somebody messaged me on Instagram, being like, "Hey, I've been reading your blog. It's really good. Thanks so much. Keep keep blogging because I love reading it." And I was like, it's just replied to Oh, thanks." And I don't even know anyone even looked at it. Some of the blog posts I've done, I've got like sixty views or something. The cards I don't even read it. So, I, mean, I don't know. I just do it because it's something in the winter that I like to do is just probably blogging. And then it turned out like she so messaged me again that she was actually a. Uh, like a Bloomsbury, I don't know what her role was, but somebody that basically finds people to write oh, books. I don't know what that would be called. And uh, she said, "Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And I still, at this point, didn't know it was like a Bloomsbury person. I was like, uh, "Not really, <laughs> to be honest." But you know, I never say never seen, never kind of thing. And she was like, "Oh well, we're actually, we've actually, um, we've actually already." got a book title and we've got it ready for release but we just don't have an author and we've never done that before but we think you're the perfect fit for this just book I'm,
0: right like, <laughs> I'm
2: like of course you do you know because i'm not busy enough i was like yeah no worries i'll write a book and you know i, I think i started it like maybe summer what's the where were we 23 i think i started at summer 21 and like two years is ages i'll like, easily get that done <laughs> holy smokes two years it's like not Uh enough time to write a book but yeah like it just that's how it happened and then like the writing process of a book is like I have a lot of head knowledge around where to paddle in Scotland but I also find it really difficult to narrow down all the places that you could write about Mm -hmm. like I haven't written in that book anything like the Cairns I haven't written anything in that book about for example the Great Glen. Because there's just so many places in Scotland you can go paddling. So when Bloomsbury initially asked, I was like, Can I not just write South West Scotland or South you know, like Southwest or even South West and the West? And they're like, nah, we just want it to be Scotland. And I'm like, like ninety percent of the water in the whole of the UK is in Scotland. So how am I fitting this into one book? It's just like, like just choose like certain paddles that are good uh, and just write about them. So that's why if you're from M B S and you've got my book and you're looking at it going, there's nowhere near me. Just like,
0: ripping the pages out. It's
2: because there's just like literally so many places you can go paddling, you just can't write everywhere in it. Mm. You know?
0: Does that mean a second book is coming?
2: It means that, if, if they ask, I would maybe consider it, I'm not sure my life would let me. <laughs> uh, well, actually, there, there is a second book coming, but it's not just me. I've, I've actually got uh, a few very well-known paddleboarders uh, from all over the UK, and we're going to do it in our book together. It's going to be based around yeah, paddling, but it's kind of got a specific theme. I better not say too much about that.
0: Getting all the exclusives here, Hannah.
2: Yeah, so that is coming. But like, I mean, writing a book. To be honest, the process of it is very boring. <laughs> I mean, the, going the day trips and going to do the fun stuff was amazing. Like, it was good fun. I, I went a lot of places in Thailand, a lot of places even that I hadn't been. And I made a lot of contacts as well through like just asking people, "Hey, do you have photos of this? Do you have you been here before?" You know, that, that, that side of it was cool. But like sitting down every Friday morning, like having to like make sure I do this was tough, you know. And I think I probably wrote half the book over like a year and a half, and then with four weeks to go, I was like, "Shit, I need to get on with this." And I like beasted it for like four weeks every night and just, yeah. you know, got it done.
0: I work good to a deadline, you know, I'm like,
2: yeah, give me two years, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll think about it for two months.
2: Two years is a long time, it seems like a long time, but actually it's a long process, you know I mean? I think the book's like something like 75,000 words, it's like quite a lot of writing. And also, I know a lot of the stuff, so it's not like it's like tons of research it's writing stuff that you already know down mm-hmm. and making it sound good
1: Where where is the like most epic place you've paddled and it doesn't necessarily need to be in the UK if you've paddled, paddled abroad but
2: the most epic place, I mean it's really hard because Scotland is literally the best place in the world to paddle What it is like there's nowhere else where there's so much water and so so much close proximity I mean there probably is but let's be honest it's not as good as Scotland
1: <laughs> I'm with <laughs> you on that to be fair <laughs>
2: It's a hard It's a really, it's a really hard question. I think, I think for me, the best place to paddleboard for me in Scotland is Loch because there's so much to see, there's so much to do, there's so many routes you can go, there's so many access points, there's so many trips you can do. You could spend a week there and you wouldn't get bored of it. Every day is different. You know, it's got its own microclimate. <laughs> like, it's hard to beat that, and it's hard because it's like literally forty-five minutes from my doorstep. Yeah. But then equally, like. We went paddleboarding in Barbados where it was warm and we were like looking at turtles and dolphins and, you know, sharks. And I don't know. It's I guess it depends what you like, isn't it? But I, I just can't see past going out in the moment. I love it. Uh, I done, I've i done some cool trips in the sea as well. Like we went to um, Arn a few years ago and did a cool paddle to, to an island off the south coast of Arne. And like when you're out in the sea and it's clear water and you can see right down, it's like a spooky like other world that you're above, you know. Uh, and I quite like that. I quite like that aspect of paddling in the sea.
1: Have you had any encounters with any wildlife? Yeah, we have. have.
2: We've seen quite, quite a lot of we see a lot of seals and things like that. We did that day, we saw loads of seals in the harbour when we came in. But a really good place where you if you want to go and see wildlife is if you go into if you've gone the water in Helmsborough and you paddle up to Gearloch. Uh, just don't go too close to Faz Lane because the navy will chase you away. But in the in the stretch there where the tide is coming in or out there's obviously fish getting pushed in, and there's all those porpoises there, and if you're going in there, it's quite nice to be up nice and close to porpoises and stuff
1: like that. I will be honest, as much as I love paddleboarding, like paddling, like Loch Lomond, when I went with Emily, was absolutely stunning, and I am like quite confident, I don't panic or anything. Put me on the sea, and the minute I see something move, I, I'm like, that's it, I'm going back in, going back in. I don't <laughs> know, I've just got it in my head that there's like, something's going to jump on my board. <laughs> I
2: don't know why. <laughs> yeah, you, you get that in the sea. It's a bigger, it's a bigger thing to do with in the sea than it is in logs. But
1: there's a, a video knocking about on YouTube or something, and there's a killer whale like following a Glasgow guy. <laughs> and it's
2: like, yeah, and Loch Lomond, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I realize yeah. obviously it's not Loch Lomond. Someone else <laughs> said that to me. I was like, no, that's definitely not. But it's just like i'm like no that, that just that is in my head when i'm if i'm anywhere near the sea i'm like it's either a seal or a killer whale or something and i'm like no just no i think
2: seals and seals are the least of your worries it's when you go out paddleboarding somewhere and you've, you've got all those red jellyfish that are the lion's oh. mean jellyfishes that are cruising about. it's like as soon as you see them you're like man if i fall in i'm getting stung <laughs> you know
0: oh god no that gets do me not keep fall keep in around them. so what's next for you ali what's the next What's the next big thing? Are you just going to have some time at home now after the Greek Glenway?
2: Yeah, so we, we shut the school at the end of September, which is, um, well actually that's not true because I took a book in today for the 7th of October, but we shut, the, we shut the school the end of September, the final weekend is in September. We always do that because the the temperature drops, you know, for beginners people get cold. The club continues to run through the winter, uh, you know, there's 200 odd members now in the club. Uh, which is great. So we do a lot of winter paddling and organise different trips throughout the winter, but generally things calm down and I have kind of six months to wait probably before we open again. Uh, I think this winter I'll spend quite a bit of time expeditioning and just up time with like, different trips to get the expedition guide ticked off and hopefully have that signed off. But also the winter is the time where we do a lot of river paddling and get a lot of the white water stuff done. Um, it's kind of time to paddle for me and not do it for everyone else. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I always have a nice time in the winter. I enjoy just having a bit of peace and quiet in there. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm still busy doing things, but yeah, uh, it's certainly certainly not as busy as it is in the summer. So.
0: Yeah, you should you should basically reap the benefits of being, you know, Mister Paddleboard by uh, having mm-hmm. some fun yourself. But thank you so much. We just have a bit of a quick fire question for you. Yep. Don't need to think too much about it. Just give us your kind of first answer. You can have a bit of an explanation to it and we'll just head off. So Hannah, do you want to take the first question? I
1: will do. Do you prefer adventuring with friends or solo? Mm, friends. An Instagram profile you admire and why?
2: Leanne's lost that because <laughs> I literally cry laughing every day watching it. And if she doesn't post on a day, I feel sad about it.
1: <laughs> I think we all feel the same. I know,
0: We actually had Leanne on yesterday. No,
1: but is this? Sunday. (laughs) We had
0: her on in Sunday to tell us about our summer, because we had her on before. She was like our most popular guest. People thought she was hysterical. But she is. I mean our videos are (laughs) they're just so funny. (laughs) I agree with that one.
1: (laughs) What is on the adventure wish list?
2: Uh, Spain, North Spain rivers to uh, tackle some white water stuff. And also there's a river that runs from the north of spain through the mountains back out near barcelona i'd love to expedition down that
0: wow what would you tell your teenage self what would i tell my teenage
2: self you don't know what's around the corner that is for sure i like that but when i was a teenager i wanted to be a farmer do you know what i mean like i <laughs> i do not i did not imagine i'd be here right now i'll tell you that
1: <laughs> and emily's favorite question what is the must-have snack on an adventure Oh,
2: uh, it's an easy okay. one you know that um uh, so, is it serene that amazing like loaf cake oh yeah sorry. sorry yeah what's it so yeah put butter on that that's all you need you could literally take one of them if you're away from the big not the stupid little packet ones you give kids a big one <laughs> and a pack of butter and just go away with that So sort of.
1: we bought some of those snack size ones i can't remember why they're terrible. Get
2: the, get the full cake and bring a knife.
1: Exactly. Well, so I have done that in the past where I've brought a full one and then not brought a knife and just had to like rip bits off it. but rip I, it off. I'm with just smaller just of like butter. dip it in the butter.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, dip it in. Give it a lot. Of, and also, someone actually made, took, the, took the nick at me recently, but I'm a bit of a butter snarl, but like, if it's not pack, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's maybe just a total I don't know I, we always have pack and they're like oh you can't hide money Ali have you're <laughs> 5.85 for your butter might beat it LARPAC LARPAC is, pack is
0: good but my, my household don't like it butter they don't like it so i only really buy mm. it for myself
2: I tell you the other thing that I always bring in a flask if especially in the winter when I'm going out is I bring a flask with coffee because I like a hot drink when I'm out especially when you stop mm. and if you go to the Oak Tree and in Bamaha, you get Loch Lomond coffee. And if you buy like the ground stuff and then you put it in the in there, like you you know, the percolator things, so you can bubble it in and it comes at the top. That is like a dream on a Loch day. Oh um,
1: I absolutely love a coffee while paddle boarding, But I once I, I got caught out once I'd forgotten my flask and just had to have it in like my Yeti cup. And I was like, hmm, if I knock this off, is it going to float or am I going to lose my cup? <laughs> so I was like, they're placing it in the water just to see if it'd float. And I was like, I might have like half a second to grab it if it goes. But I'm just stood there drinking my coffee and people are like, what are you doing? I was like, adventure starts with coffee. Did you not know?
0: Oh, I have to agree <laughs> with the Lothloman coffee. We went up Conic Hill the other week and was, we used be stopped by St Moccas for a coffee and it was just, oh. Can't you cannot it. beat it. I even treated myself to a little Loch Lomond coffee flask as well. You know, toffs are careless. Yeah, I have
2: one too. I have the same flask. Amazing. <laughs> you bought a hat. Did you buy a hat? I saw, I saw you with a hat as well. Yeah, I have have a hat. hat?
0: <laughs> Not there, like, before. Yeah, he did. of course you did. <laughs> course, I don't know how, how, you don't, you need all the bubble hats. I've got a paddle paddleboarders hat. I've got my Loch Lomond coffee hat. I mean, a girl can never have too many hats in Scotland let's put it that way mm-hmm.
1: I love hot season it's nearly, it's nearly here. here
0: and we'll get Ali in for a dip <laughs> yes <laughs> he rolled his <laughs> eyes everybody that means yes um, but no thank you so much Ali for an awesome interview and it's been great getting to know more about you we'll hopefully see you soon
2: no worries thanks for your time yeah we'll see you again cheers guys
0: thanks for listening we hope
1: you enjoyed this week's episode follow us on Instagram at Adventure Bleather. we'd also love it if you could share rate and subscribe to our podcast Bye! Feel that, it. <laughs>